learned that men are different than women in a lot of respects. Just like I learned that my son needs to know that I'm proud of him more than he needs to know that I love him. And I think men need to know that they're respected and honored more than anything else. And so many times in our society now, that's shameful. We're put, in a, we're put on the sideline. How many times are we told the husband is always wrong, the wife is always right? It sets up for a place where we're not honored in our position. And honor is really important because it's a commandment. Ephesians 6, 1-4. through 4. The first part is, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be, go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on this earth. So the first commandment, unfortunately a lot of the younger kids were released, is to honor your father and mother. And it comes with that commandment and that promise that you will ha- it will go well with you and you will have a long life. But a lot of times we stop at the third verse instead of reading the fourth verse. And that's the part that I think the fathers need to pay attention to also. Verse 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. There were times when my son was young, I pushed his buttons just because he was pushing my buttons. I don't know that any other father ever does that. I know you do. (laughs) <laughs> so, and my dad is sitting here, so I'm, all this has to be true. So, <laughs> so um, and James Baldwin gives us a, a reminder of an important reality. Children have never been good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. How many times now that my son is 29 going on 30, does he come back and say something and I want to go, I said that. But I don't because I'm smart enough to realize I'm just happy you learned it. (laughs) It just took a long time. But when he was 16, the words didn't sink in and he rebelled against it. But now he has understand some of those things I was saying. And he actually calls me one of his friends, which is one of the greatest honors I can have. And how important is honor? Let's look at Jesus. Let's look at Jesus in Mark 6. It's verses 1 through 5. Jesus left there and went to his hometown. Accompanied by his disciples, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They were offended because he was teaching from a place that they thought he was not an authority. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus Christ, all things are made and created through him, was limited by the dishonor people were giving him. Have you ever seen, have you ever thought about that verse that way or that section there that he could not perform miracles? The God that has all power, all knowing, all time on his side 
and we couldn't allow him to do miracles. How many times do we do that in our own lives? How many times do we say God isn't able to do that, or he's not willing to do that, or he whatever? So surely, we know that. And a few weeks ago, or a month, I don't remember, time goes too fast now, I talked about the power of choice. And until we choose to have Christ as our Savior and receive him fully, he can't be fully himself to us. Is it getting deep in here? It's hard to think about that. That we have the power to tell God how much he is, we are able to give him of our lives. And that controls who he is in our lives. And I have to ask, why do we do that? Why do we discount who God is? Is it because we don't believe that he can do what he says he can do? Or is it because we don't believe we deserve what we deserve? Do we believe that because we're sinners, we will never be able to be reconciled in our hearts of hearts? Do we believe that he has our best interests in, in, our, in his mind about us? Do we believe that? Do you ever think about others the same way? Like your own father or your children, whichever way you want to do it, a boss, a, a spouse, anyone. Do you receive them completely as a gift from God? Do you allow them to be who they are supposed to be in your life? I know each one of you has been rejected at some point in your life. It happens by a friend, maybe a lover, maybe someone else, your own parents, your kids may have rejected you. And it happens. You have no influence once you've been rejected by someone. You have no credibility with that individual. So you need to be received, or you need to receive someone in order to have that influence. An example for me is in golf. I play a lot of golf. I used to coach golf. I have people tell me how to play golf all the time. And if I don't feel that they're better than me, it's hard for me to receive that word or that advice. Same thing with fishing. I have fishing guides come by where I fish every single day, and they're telling me a different pattern of how to fish. And I'm like, I bag my limit every day. Why are you telling me something different? Okay. But they're a fishing guide, so I should take it, but I don't because I'm like, this has worked. Why would I want to do it any different? You know, I'm sure you've done this. But everything and every person in our lives is there for a reason. And we have to look for that reason. Sometimes people are only in our lives for a season. And sometimes they're there our entire lives. If you reject them, they can't help you. If you receive them, they can help you. Same thing goes for you. If someone rejects you, you have no way to help them. But if they receive you, you may help them as well. So that's how we're supposed to be with our kids. And when you receive people as appointments from God, you see the good in them. When you don't receive them or you reject them, all you see is their faults. Is that true? It's easy to do. It's easy to look at people's faults and not see the good in them. So today I'm asking you, 
Fathers, receive your children. As hard as it can be at times, when they just won't listen, and when they do everything backwards of what you want them to do, receive your children. Find the good in them. God gave them to you for a reason, and it's your reason to be there for them. Children are supposed to receive their fathers, if you're still in here. And we're all children of a father. So receive your father, even if he's elderly. Receive your father and be with them and and go with them. And spouses, I ask you to receive your spouses. And that's both genders, both directions. And that's with an unconditional acceptance. Not, you don't wait until the person is honorable to honor them. You honor them first. You encourage them. And when that happens, things change. And a lot of times, it changes in our own lives first when we're honoring others. So my father read uh, Psalm 103, and it reminds us of many of the characteristics of God. And an example of these characteristics is displayed in one of my favorite stories in the Bible, the prodigal son. To get through it, I'm going to need a little of this. So this story is easy to relate to our earthly relationship with our son or daughter. But on a bigger scale, it's actually about our spiritual relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. So this is the third parable that Jesus is teaching on to the tax collectors and the sinners and the Gentiles. And the Pharisees are there scoffing and muttering to themselves, why does he sit with the sinners and the tax collectors? It's a common theme throughout Jesus' teaching. He always went to the wrong people, according to the Pharisees. So they were jealous that they were wasting their time teaching to the sinners. And so I'm going to read this and interject as I read this story. So Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And being the younger son, he received a third of everything the father had because the elder son always got a double portion. So the older son was entitled to two-thirds. The younger is a third, which that usually happens after the person has perished is when you divide the estate. So it was a very generous gesture that the dad made, but very selfish on the son's part, that he was taking something that his father still was entitled to for the rest of his life. So back to scripture, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. That's just like us. Things go great. When things are great, we go gangbusters. We're doing awesome. And then we, we do whatever we think we should do. We just kind of, we don't ask God for guidance or direction and things are good. And then all of a sudden a tragedy happens in our lives. And so that's exactly what this has happened to this one. He had all his money, has his third of his estate or his whole estate, and he spent everything. And then there was a famine and he wasn't sure where to turn. So, so he went and hired himself out as a citizen of that country in a Gentile place, he sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now you have to realize in Jewish culture, a pig didn't even have a name. 
because it was so low. It was considered the other thing was the name that they used for pigs. That's how low it is. And he wants to even be able to eat what the pigs have. So he has aligned himself underneath the pig. He is that low in his own uh, place. So when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Do you ever feel that way? Have you ever brought dishonor to your father, earthly or heavenly? And that you shouldn't be allowed to be a part of the family anymore? I know I have. I know there's times in my life that I've sinned so... I feel like it's such a grievous sin, there's no way God would let me back in. But thankfully, he continues the story. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. So while he was still far away, so do you think he just happened to notice him? He's out, you know, tending to his flock, and he goes, oh, there's a guy out there. I wonder who that is. Oh, I guess it's my son. And takes off running. I think he was yearning and just waiting and looking on the horizon at all times, going, I'm waiting for my son to return. And nobody knows how long this period would be. But I know for me, like when my son is coming back to town, I make him call me like every hour while he's driving home. Where are you? What? Where are you? You're in Green River. Okay, good. All right. Okay, God. Three hours. We can do this in three hours. Okay. We are you to Grand Junction yet? Come on. You know, and I get super amped. And sometimes I even, I don't, I've, I've even driven out of town to meet them and see their car and turn around and, tr- and chase them down, you know, because I'm so excited that my son's coming home. Because I love my son. And that's how your father is waiting for you. Your heavenly father is sitting, waiting, always looking to the horizon going, come home. I don't care what you've done. I don't like that you did it, but I want you home. It's, you are the reason I sent Christ, and I want to bring you home, and I want to hold you in my arms, and I want to, to run to you as fast as possible. And he's there waiting. And the advantage God has is he teleports, so he's there instantaneously. He doesn't have to wait to get close to us. And so... That is the exciting part of this. The son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father went, wait. Just wait. Unconditional. Unconditional reception. He received him unconditionally with complete grace and just said, come on, we're going to have a party. But the, the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put, on it, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Just think about, okay, so this illustration, you can see it. It's, it's an, an operation. There, there must be servants, ranch hands, everything. 
But think about it in heaven when you come back and you're received after you've deviated. And you, you know what? We always say, okay, I've, I've, I've gone away from Christ. We probably do that almost every single day. It's called sin when we turn our back. And sometimes it's a short journey back and sometimes it's a longer journey back. But we always do that. So we have to remember that when we turn around and we go, God, I am sorry. I repent of what I have done. That the angels start to have a party. I mean, can you? that's why there's always trumpets. I mean, it's got to be the loudest place on earth, or above earth, or below or within. I don't know where it is exactly. It's everywhere. Heaven's everywhere. But it's always celebrating because there's people always being brought back into the fold or first believers. So meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he, was, he, has, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has been, has, who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for me, for him. He's just like the Pharisees. He's like, hey, I have always, I have towed the line, I have obeyed the law every single step, all 600 and whatever laws of the Jewish law, I have followed every one of them to the T. And I don't have a party, I don't get a party, but somebody who decides to go off and come back gets the party? That's not fair. It's not fair. But it is fair. So the Father, our Heavenly Father, reassures us. My Son, the Father said, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Our lives are better when we stay in right relationship with God. We know that. And we should understand that every single day is a party for us as well if we do stay there. But like I said before, we give ourselves plenty of opportunities to deserve a party because we do walk away from God at times. And so fathers and men, here's another challenge for you. Did you know that you are God's image? You were created in God's image. If we go back to Genesis, we see that Adam was created in God's image. And so you are the earthly image bearer of Christ, of God. So when your children look upon your face and watch your behaviors, they should be looking upon God. It's a hard thing to do. And we all have our places where we don't do that. But that is what we're called to do, and so we have to do that. We are the spiritual leaders of our homes. There is a much larger battle than just every day getting through every single day as a father. There is also the spiritual realm. And in Ephesians 6, it talks about that our fight is not against our earthly things, but against the spirits. And every battle, I would say every man in here would be willing to say this. Would you rather put the armor on? And go out to battle or send your spouse. Men, you got to buck up. 
you need to be the spiritual leaders of your home. It's time for us to take it serious. It's time for us to be in union, to pray together, to support each other, so that we become the leaders we're supposed to be in our homes and in our community and in our church. It's time. It's time to buck up. And ladies, I have a role for you. you need, we need your help. There's so many times that women have pulled us along, but right now, we need you to, you to encourage us. You need to allow us the right to be the spiritual leader of our home. You need to, to help a man have honor. We need honor. Nagging just takes it away. And if all we feel like is we're going to be wrong, then we don't try. So help us. Help us know what you need and how we can be your leaders. Because that's what we're commanded to be. When I adopted my son, he was 11. Trying to do the math quick. Yes, he was 11. And the first thing I told my wife is I said, if you want me to be Zach's, well, Alex back then, Alex's dad, you got to let me be his dad. Because dads don't do things the same way moms do things. And the best advice she ever got from Neil Cohen was, if it doesn't involve you, leave. When you have boys and men, don't get along all the time. But let the man be the man. And it's time to buck up. And the last thing I'm going to say is, uh, I was listening to Billy Evans the other day, and um, he's a pastor at Gateway Church. And he had four ways to honor your fathers. And he says fathers because you have an earthly father and you have your heavenly father. The first one is honor your earthly father by remembering what they did right and thank them. Remember what is right. Remember he's that gift. You're a gift of his because he created you. You were created through him, actually. But remember that. Find the right and honor that and thank that. Don't reject because there's mistakes. Honor your earthly father by giving them grace for their imperfections. That's how you bring honor to your parents. Third, honor your heavenly father by putting faith in him. He cannot be all that he is without being or without us believing in him. And fourth, honor your heavenly father by being the best father you can be. This is letting your Heavenly Father know that you take your role as His image bearer seriously. Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, I thank you again for today. I thank you for all the men here and the fathers and the, and the will-be fathers, but all the men here are responsible to be spiritual leaders. I ask you to use the Holy Spirit to give us that strength, to give us that desire to be who you called us to be and who you created us to be, and that is your image bearer, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you have called us into relationship with you and that you allow us that right to be in heaven with you. In Christ's name, amen. And we are going to uh, sing, This is My Father's World. Um, If you'll go ahead and stand, please.
Thank you for worshiping with us today. If you need prayer or anything this morning, please come forward. We have Cody and Eric will be up here praying and possibly Melody, um, myself. So if you have anything you would need some prayer over or um, would just like to talk with one of the pastors, uh, please feel free to come forward. Enjoy the rest of your Father's Day. Enjoy the rest of this weekend. Thank the Lord there's been some rain in the air. It's awesome. I'm sorry for those camping, but I'm not. (laughs) So, (laughs) but uh, yes, enjoy your day. Um, Blessings over all of you. In Christ's name.